Broadcast from the centre of England, this is Waffle On about political satire on British TV. Welcome back to this edition of Waffle On, and we will be discussing uh, programs that have dealt with political satire. And today, as usual, is Cal. Word up. And joining us for this show is Mr. Peter Coleman. Hello, Peter. Hello, Ed. Hello, Cal. Thank you for having me along. Oh, it's a pleasure. Okay, so guys, it's been a, a fairly political heavy month here in Great Britain. We've had the expenses scandals, uh, ministers resigning left, right, and liberal. Um, what an ideal time to do a political uh, satire show. Brilliant. Good timing, really. You, you can't better than that. We were going to do one anyway, which is a bit of a coincidence, isn't it, really? But there you go. I thought you were going to say Quincy. No, no. We could do a Quincy <laughs> one. I bloody love Quincy. <laughs> no, Quincy, I think, would have made the ideal president. Yeah. Not now, because he's, 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 he's Jack, votes for Jack Klugman. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been invited here as the expert on whether, yeah, yeah, whether Quincy is still alive, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've failed <laughs> no, no, in yeah. my role. Sorry. <laughs> so we've had the elections this week, and uh, obviously it's been a pretty uh, pretty interesting uh, week for Labour of uh, not winning anything. Uh, no, in, in interesting, general. you play that down quite a lot, aren't you, by saying the word interesting? Well, no, it's not interesting. Well, it is interesting. It's just the fact that it's probably the first time that... Uh, um, the European um, electorate have got two uh, bastard BMP <laughs> language uh, Timothy we're well, allowed to say bastard it's in the dictionary oh, yeah. <laughs> fair, fair enough fair <laughs> <way>. <laughs> yeah. what does that blood is in the bible blood is Fetch in the, the book. dictionary <laughs> but ideal time really to talk about um, satire TV so uh, we might as well start at the beginning uh, not in the beginning of when TV was made but uh, yeah, I always think that really TV started in the 1950s but general. don't you think I reckon cavemen probably did satire as well didn't they what with TV no on what was going on with the local chiefs I, you know there must have been oh, oh, sent oh. easy what with clubs what was the idea of the, what was the, the original clowns were there to mock the king's decisions that was the first so, I'm satire sorry, did, you, did you not say cavemen yeah but I'm saying, I'm saying it's probably well, been satire it's old element. when did kings come into the no, caveman was, world there was always was there a king in the caveman not, world was there a king in the there must have been must have been well, if you, take, if you take the Monty Python definition of a king, <laughs> yeah, yeah, did the Druids have a king? You know? <laughs> so, so now you see what's called waffle on, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to waffle. Lamp. Yeah, politics, not monarchy. Politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so well, uh, back in the uh, the late fifties and early sixties, uh, British TV was quite slow on the uptake of uh, British political satire. The, the strong political leadership of the Conservative Party yeah, yes, yes. Um, caused the BBC to be very respectful because they all spoke in that you know respectful kind of tone, and uh, didn't really want to rock the boat when it came to politics until. Uh, beyond the Fringe arrived in the 1960s and of course they introduced us to Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, Alan Bennett and Jonathan Miller and quickly following that of course was the launch of Private Eye magazine. Now Peter you're a, a bit of a fan of Private Eye. 
I have. I've been subscribed by my mother um, <laughs> for, for, for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. From the best know, your mother subscribes you, does she? Yes. <laughs> we subscribe each other, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a way of claiming that you never buy your own copy. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that what's always in your toilet? Yes. Oh, that's the great place. The literature is the modern toilet, isn't it? It is. It's there for quiet contemplation, <laughs> sitting yeah. and reading private eyes. Yeah. Modern, <laughs> modern man's thinking stool. Exactly. So to speak. <laughs> so, yeah, let's not go into that. Stalls this early into it. <laughs> but it's there so that people can um, have a bit of truth. Yeah. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> or viciously exposed truth. Yeah. Oh, always a bit. Uh, okay, so we, we really kind of got into 1962. The BBC began to explore, to quote, a new sort of revolutionary programme, a mixture of news, interviews, satire and controversy through the look of sketches, songs and spoof news. Uh, quoted by producer Ned Sheridan of That Was The Week That Was uh, written by uh, John Cleese Keith Wares and Willis Hall now there was only 36 episodes of that and of course who was the presenter of That Was The Week That Was I don't know was he? oh come on it's See? our old favourite, isn't it? It is. It's oh no, yeah, but I'm trying to wait for someone else to oh, say. Yeah, always, always you're doing a little bit of yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's too obvious. I say it. I, don't, was I it? think I think I guess should say it. Uh, but it's Mr. Frost. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> it's Mr. Frost, and I know he's a constant recurring element. Yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah, we, we <laughs> have we have been challenged by uh, Jan in. Uh, over in the far east <laughs> to Ooh. see if we can mention David Frosty Neil on every yeah. um, Waffle On podcast which is going to be a little bit of a yeah. problem when it comes to Mr Ben no what we should do is do a, a David Frost podcast and, and not mention him at all <laughs> <laughs> talk about everything else apart from every other kind of Frost Jack Frost <laughs> Inspector Frost every kind of Frost there is no. the lovely thing is you know that would really annoy him yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he would be the kind of person he is wouldn't he <laughs> now uh, that was the way that was was presented by David Frost and uh, also starred um, Lance Percival and of course really Rushton who was one of the early founding members of uh, Private Eye so let's play a clip of um, that was the week that was that was the week that was it's over let it go Speaking of Mr. Macmillan, even his best friends daren't tell him. G.O. Okay, a small clip there from That Was The Way That Was. It's only a very short clip because, as I said earlier on, it was a bloody awful programme. Yeah, really. It was, it was, it was, it was time, wasn't it? Was it was the time. It was the opening of, uh, of, of satire. But... Uh, uh, the BBC executives pulled the show um, and <laughs> purely because of the fact that they didn't want to influence the following year's um, elections. That's uh, kind of them, isn't it? Unfortunately for them, uh, BBC, um, it was credited, that programme, of getting Labour in in the 1964 general election. Anyway, a documentary was produced shortly after that called uh, This Week 416. And it was all about the uh, start of the satire boom um, from 1960 to 1963. David Frost came back with the Frost Report. Now, um, there was... I think the Frost... I thought the Frost Report lasted for quite a while. Oh, I thought it was on for years, about 12, where long was it on for? It only lasted for 26 episodes. Blimey. Was that it? Yeah, 26 episodes and two specials um, from 66 to 67. Uh, we've mentioned this before, uh, because obviously we've already done the Monty Python cast, but uh, it was wrote by John Cleese, Graham Chapman, Michael Palin, Terry Jones, Eric Idle the excellent Frank Muir and Dennis Norden 
And once again, David Frost taking all the credit for writing it. And if you'll <laughs> notice, I never once mentioned that David Frost wrote a thing. Yeah. Of course, I thought Barry Cryer was a, also a significant contributor. I think he was. He was one of those um, contributors a bit like Ronnie Barker was, where mm. he, he was, um, he'd added his yeah. 10 pence worth in, but was never credited for anything. I think in the movie world, they call it a script doctor, wouldn't they? Someone just adds things, but doesn't get credited for it. So they call it in the film world. I don't know what they call mm. it in, the, in TV, but Sam must be the same kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mentioned that they, uh, I can't remember what, there was, what it was now, but the writers of Porridge, um, you seem quite shocked when I turned and mentioned a few films that they had actually script doctored on. I can't remember yeah. which ones they Oh, no, the one that you told me, what was crazy, was Bad Boys 2. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> did. It's just yeah. the craziest <laughs> world in the world. What's going on there? God, that was script doctors. What are you going to do? <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I think, actually, I think Bobby Choir is another one of those people that we tend to bring up quite a bit. And Bobby Choir, yeah, but he's, he's, he's Bobby Choir was. Um, Bobby Choir. Bobby Choir. Maybe Jonathan Moss. It's easy for you to say. Bobby Choir was at the local. Art Centre where I live on Saturday do no. a talk yeah yeah. another one of the things that we only just found out uh, well we'll keep this in why not advertise the art tricks in Bromsgrove um, yeah, yeah. and uh, Sean Knox playing here in November Anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's conversation. This program is sponsored by Bromsgrove Artics. <laughs> well, if we mention it now, when we come to listen to these, when we come to buy the tickets, we'll go. Ooh, I forgot, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So oh, yes, I need stamps, milk, cat litter, yes, toilet bowl to yeah, go yeah. with your private art. For when I listen to this later, I'll remind <laughs> yeah, myself. Yeah. What the cat litter? Yes, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. A bit late by then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, back to uh, the uh, the Frost report. Now, uh, the Frost report did push push a, a few boundaries, uh, not necessarily in uh, in good taste, but of course that was the sixties. So, but they, the one thing that they brought up on uh, was, of course, the class system. And the Frost report is well known for, for really for one big sketch, I think. Now I can say I know what it is going to play. Mm. This was my first, I think, first time I, I, I mean, watching this as a kid. Obviously, it was a repeat, and thinking, oh, there's something more to this than. A big man looking at a smaller man, and then a smaller man looking at a smaller man. I yeah. remember saying to mum and dad, I remember saying it, what, what does that mean? And my mum's saying it's about class. Yeah. And then going to school the next day and asking my teacher, and that got me interested in the class struggle, whatever you call it in this country. They haven't got it in the States, but they have, it's called money. Yeah, it's, but, funny, um, it's funny because if we actually move chairs around slightly, what? and I was sitting where you are, it would be quite similar. Yeah, that, yeah, be quite, yeah, yeah. over six foot, I'm five foot ten, what, of course, what you're, you're, saying? Four, you're four foot two. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to divide us into degrees <laughs> of class there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so well, let's, uh, let's play that sketch. And in this sketch is uh, John Cleese, Ronnie Barker and Ronnie Corbett. I look down on him because I am upper class. I look up to him because he is upper class. But I look down on him because he is lower class. <laughs> I am middle class. <laughs> I know my place. <laughs> I look up to them both. But I don't look up to him as much as I look up to him. Because <laughs> he has got innate breeding. I have got innate breeding, but I have not got any money. <laughs> so sometimes I look up to him. I still look up to him, because although I have money, I am vulgar. <laughs> but I'm not as vulgar as him, so I still look down on him. I know my place. <laughs> I look up to them both, but 
that while I'm poor, I'm industrious, honest and trustworthy. Had I the inclination, I could look down on them. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> we all know our place, but what do we get out of it? I get a feeling of superiority over them. I get a feeling of inferiority from him. But a feeling of superiority over him. I get a pain in the back of my neck. <laughs> I love that the way that uh, older uh, 1960 yeah. sketches start off with a little bit of music at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you what's going on. <laughs> this is going to be a jolly interlude. <laughs> Familiar chirpy music. It's okay. It's really okay. Yeah. The men are saying nasty things, but all's right yeah. with the world, and tea will be on the table. <laughs> that was the world name. Now, whilst I was uh, uh, doing the mixing for that, there, do you want to talk about what you, were, you two were talking about? Nah, I, do you want to just get that there? It was kind of six, six degrees of day. David Frost, so <laughs> six degrees of waffle on, and how, yeah, the other person who seems to crop up is uh, is Mr. Adolf Hitler. Yeah, he yes. does. Mm. Off the cuff as well, which is not planned. <laughs> off the cuff. I'm sure he hit that. I'm sure he hit that. If he's up there somewhere, he's looking at it, like to no, remember, oh, he's oh, going to be oh, off the cuff. No, I don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to, I'm going to have to just correct your slide now. Of not be, not a religious person. Yeah. I would like to think, though, no, that when you point upwards, I mean, Hitler the, I'm, I'm talking, I mean, on the moon, because that's where he is, gently frozen. <laughs> okay, carrying on. I mean, say what you like about David Frost and Adolf Hitler. They both have excellent organisational skills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and both had a side party. <gasps> oh. <laughs> oh, wow, oh, there you go. Oh, Although Hitler's parting was much, much further to the right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bubbum. You need a drum. Okay, the spawning from the Frostport <clears throat> came, uh, of course, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Now, we don't really need to talk about Python because we've already done it. And if you haven't heard our Waffle Arm podcast on Monty Python, why not go back and listen to it, preferably after this? Unless you are Monty Python, listen to it, then you'd probably want to sue us. Well, as, so we've, don't. Already, as we've already turned around, it wouldn't be surprising if Harry <laughs> doesn't send us a <laughs> Every card would be around knocking on the door. Just for mentioning his name. Now, of course, Python uh, was a little bit more subtle in its uh, humour towards um, political uh, satire, but they tended to um, let their anger out again over class. We've got a, a Python class sketch to come up now. Uh, God, do you want to say anything about Monty Python and uh, satire? It's interesting we were talking just before we got started about the dictionary definition of satire, and we, we were trying to work out if it was... Uh, lampooning one particular person or just the human condition at large and it's the latter um, it's lampooning human vice or folly yeah. um, and Monty Python seems to hit that more on mm. the head because it's lampooning um, there's very often a bishop in there yeah. um, there's very often a, a, a sergeant major a general figure of authority yeah. which kind of points at the human condition mm. rather than a single person and the point I'd like to carry through this podcast is I think that's the most successful form of satire is when it's not specifically mocking a single person mm. because that'll be, that's a simple that's that's topical reference isn't it then, yeah. it'll, it'll, yeah. it'll go away is he in crappy Rory Bremner exactly yeah. well we'll talk to him about him later on so. but you're dealing with the general human condition which is why I think the the series which we're going to talk about that address the mm. general condition are the funniest because they're still just as correct these do you, days do you think uh, that author to a certain point that um Python aimed more towards, in essence, a working class viewership. Uh, mm. Because they're taking the mic, although, let's face it, themselves are, are, are up. 
They were middle class. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to talk about class now because I don't think there is much of a class system going on in modern day society. I think it still is every now and again in certain areas, but uh, yeah. I don't think in generalised no. city, uh, no. city life. I think if you went to London, I think if you lived in London, I think the class system is definitely still there because you've got the different sides. You've got yeah, like Kensington yeah, and that. They're really rich, but the Mayfair set, yeah. where the Labour Party come from, you know, that is definitely a class mm. thing. But I think when you go out into where we well, are... Right? I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. Though. I mean, do you think that Python's um, digs at the class system and hierarchy and authority aimed more towards the working class people than than uh, anyone who actually did those jobs, bankers, mm, yeah. tax officers? Because let's face it, the people who, like, tax inspectors always got a raw deal on Python. Do you think that was all that they own in dig at the establishment? Could have been. I mean, mm. I think if you if you look at the kind of the class structure and the class ladder in a way, I think I think it's narrowed considerably. Yeah. And I'm mm. doing that kind of squeeze box yeah. um, motion to illustrate my point, which works well. Works, on the works well. On audio. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, visual gags are good. Um, but I think that it's narrowed considerably, and so the Pythons were punching really quite high yeah. up that ladder. Um, the the point I'd make is that you that they're mocking the establishment. They're mo- they're coming out of this phase, pretty much they're baby boomers practically, mm-hmm. aren't yeah, they? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're a generation from the war effort, mm-hmm. and so you're a generation that hasn't lived through that and isn't and doesn't have it in it not mm-hmm. to question authority. Also, I think it's because when you look mm-hmm. at uh, early uh, stuff of before Python like the Foss Report and everything you've got the people who are writing it mainly and like Peter Cook Dudley Moore come from quite upper class backgrounds as when you think about Michael Palin comes from you know Sheffield Yorkshire working class area uh, John Cleese Western Supermare normally the place where people die mm. um, and Eric Idle I think came from somewhere in the mm. middle there might have been a bit of middle class guilt as well because I think there's definitely. Well, I think that's. I, all, I, I think there's always a bit of guilt there. when any time it comes towards yeah, having to go at a certain. Yeah, especially if you're well off. I think definitely. It, that, that, it, it's always that's always been the same, hasn't it? Okay, well let's play this Monty Python class sketch then, and I think uh, I think probably what we've just been talking about. Some, <laughs> <laughs> this sums it all up. Well, I think they should attack the lower classes uh, first with bombs and rockets, destroying their homes, and then when they run helpless into the streets, uh, mowing them down with machine guns. Um, and then, of course, uh, releasing the vultures. <laughs> I know these views aren't popular, but I have never caught it popularity. There we go. You can't beat John Cleese in a bowler hat. Not that you would have seen that, but I mean... More visual gang. <laughs> well, look, he's doing the funny walk now. Look. <laughs> yeah, there was, actually, when I, was, when I was getting these clips, there was on there, uh, there was one saying, um, political party funny walk. And I thought, oh, this will be brilliant. Just yeah, one, because of that, <laughs> I was just trying to find clips. And I watched it, and I thought, oh, it's, it's great. But it would have been rubbish for this. Yeah, so, yeah, really obviously, yeah. we didn't play it. Uh, okay, so after four years of Monty Python, the 70s actually didn't really offer much um, political satire, apart from the likes of the Impressionist uh, Marky Arwood and Stanley Baxter. Now, uh, mm-hmm. before I, uh, as I drift slowly off my script, uh, Mikey Arwood, somebody said the other day where the whole idea of Mikey Arwood was that he'd scruff up his hair then turn slowly to the camera and do his impression. You don't get that anymore. I can't even remember Marty Harwood, really. Well, he always did um, Harold Wilson, and he always did uh, Frank Spencer. Mm, As I said, the 70s didn't offer us much... And it wasn't until actually 1979 when Not the Nine O'Clock News 
came in. A uh, lively mix of sketchy skits and songs with a satirical edge. Now, uh, this is a BBC programme, uh, four series, um, and starred Roman Atkinson, Mel Smith, Paramus and Chris Langham, who was only in series one, and Griff Rhys-Jones, who was in uh, series two and four. Now, not the, not, ugh, not the nine o'clock news came in when um, the country took a, a total change as it was uh, Margaret Thatcher came yeah, And I think the punk thing as well. Punk was around then, so I think uh, younger people wanted their, their humour a bit more biting and a bit more how they felt because they were, you know, they're quite politicised in the seventies at the universities. That's definitely was happening. Socialist worker went on the scene, and and I think they just wanted their humour a bit more biting. I think this was the first that got it. I, I, I really do. Suppose mm. the young ones as well, maybe the young ones. Well, you would go on to the young ones in a moment. It's a bit political um, as well. There's a lot of politics in that. Well, there really was, wasn't there? So I think it's important to mention that the writer of Not the Nine O'clock Lose was. Um, uh, Richard Curtis, um, Colin Bostock Smith, and of course Howard Goodall, um, uh-huh. who always pops in and out. But I think the important thing to mention about not the nine o'clock news, um, apart from it pushing the the boundaries of humour, and the clip we're going to play in a minute really does push that boundaries of humour. You'd never be able to write that now. Um, was of course the producer John Lloyd, and John Lloyd, uh, I, I, if I'm right, actually was the one who come helped come up with Spit and Image. I think as well. Makes sense, yes. So let's play the not the nine o'clock news clip. Our right honourable leader and Dennis. <laughs> My lords, ladies, fellow party workers. I am a golfer. <laughs> but I'm also a conservative, and the conservatives are back in power. What a wonderful word. But with a new initiative and, above all, a new style. And we are mostly concerned with two main issues. Firstly, immigration. Now, people really do get this party wrong every time on this issue, don't they? We don't think immigrants are animals, for God's sake. I know a lot of immigrants personally, and they're perfectly nice people. They're black. Of course, which is a shame. But honestly, some of them can do some jobs almost as well as white people. And we acknowledge this. Now, a lot of immigrants are Indians and Pakistanis, for instance. And I like curry. But now that we've got the recipe... Is there really any need for them to stay? Conservatives understand these problems, you see. Like we understand young criminals, another very emotive issue. This party feels that we've been just a little too soft on these bastards. (laughs) Mr. Whitelaw has spoken of the short sharp shock treatment and his introduction of the 24,000 volt electric chair <laughs> to two home office detention centres begins next week on a purely experimental basis of course <laughs> if it doesn't work then of course we will be more than prepared to revert to the old liberal, wishy-washy, socialist, nigger-loving, red, left-wing, homosexual, commie ways of the recent past. But please, let's have a chance. It may be a tough road, we know. But don't forget, 
It is easier for a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a camel to... <laughs> than it is for a camel to... OK, not the nine o'clock news there. Um, uh, <laughs> a, a clip which... Um, you probably couldn't get away with writing uh, or you know performing that now. Uh, it's strange because it's all to do with irony. Uh, something that the political do-gooders uh, screw up now these days. Uh, but guys, yeah, you were going to say about nine o'clock, not the nine o'clock news. It's interesting, Kelly. You're saying it was a bit, it was a bit dated. Yeah, I just ways. thought. Yeah, I watched it very recently on UK Gold, which is a you know a satellite old-fashioned channel. And um, I, like you're going to say, I, f- I found. The actual silly stuff in it, still funny, and the acting's good, but the, the politics is just completely lost now, isn't it? It's a completely different world. That's true. You've got, um, you know, funny skits involving Prince Charles, uh, involving Margaret Thatcher, involving Michael Foote. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as you've lost those points of reference, then <laughs> it dates a thing dramatically. But, you know, the, the sketch with Rowan Atkinson in the gorilla suit, anything with Rowan Atkinson walking into a tree. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> Anything with uh, Mel Smith trying to buy a, a gramophone. That's a, <laughs> that is quality stuff. And again, it comes back to, to satire lampooning the human condition. Yeah, so yeah. The, 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 I, mean, I, was, I mentioned irony there, the fact that that, that uh, sketch is actually quite you know, ironic towards the day. When you think about it then, that really what you're saying is that the political comedy from Not the Nine O'Clock, Not the Nine O'Clock News doesn't work at all now. Um, it probably doesn't know. It's it's interesting because this was probably for our kind of age group, yeah. like the first the first satire we're exposed to. And um, I was reading a book the other day, and it's, it said it's probably the first joke that any of us told that was satirical. And you probably don't remember telling it in the playground, but you probably did. Knock knock. Who's there? Maggie. Maggie who? Maggie Thatcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that was at the point yeah, where we, yeah, we were yeah. growing up and th- yeah. this, this is satire, this is funny. And at the time of it, we, th- we just thought it was shouting the names of politicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, yeah, I mean, uh, when you think about it, the 19, what, 1979 to the early 1980s, there was a lot of uh, problems with, um, obviously, minor strikes. Well, the country was, was also disintegrating, you yeah, to talk about we're, we're now. Like but race riots and stuff like that. Now, nowadays, it's what we've said in the past on, on various podcasts, is that nowadays, obviously, you don't really think anything of uh, difference in race because it's the norm nowadays. Uh, everything is acceptable. Unless you're mine, unless you're that way inclined. Well, unless you're that, that's that just that the way, way inclined, it is. There's always someone like that. So, of course, that's probably why some jokes don't, don't actually work. It's also the point, like, uh, with um, In Sickness and In Health and To Death as Do Part with Warren Mitchell. He always turned around and said that the bigotry attitude that Alf Garnett has, he's taking the mick. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's supposed to. We're taking the piss. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you can't. Yeah, you know, we're taking the, the piss out, out of those more ones that are there. But of course, nowadays you, you'd play something like that. It's also in this. It's like uh, what was that? Um, the one that really got it wrong was "Love Thy Neighbour." No, People it. always thought Lord, "Love Thy Neighbour" was racist, but in the end, the black person won every week. He yeah. won. Yeah, he again, won. So it was the white person who was stupid, but people yeah. took it the wrong way. Didn't well, they? Of course, again, that's something that you can't. The do one that was really bad was "Mind Your Language." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. There's no. There's nothing ironic in that. No, let's, let's not go there. The, okay. <laughs> the, the irony I would say about sickness and health is, mm. that is probably that that the the greatness of Warren Mitchell's performance as mm. Alf Garnet made his character so credible 
that yeah. people started believing it so much and yeah. would come up to him in the street and say, I agree with everything you say, which was his absolute nightmare yeah. Yeah. scenario, yeah. really. Well, he ended up turning around saying to them, no, you idiot, I'm actually taking the... You know, the well, that's why he retired the like character, it. didn't he? He retired well, yeah, the character, yeah. he just had it, he couldn't get his point across. Well, of course, again, as, as I was saying, that, that that doesn't work nowadays because that kind, those kind of feelings really don't exist anymore. Don't yeah, they? But they're so small, and even if there was, you wouldn't get mainstream no, and talk yeah, about people it. Just yeah. laugh them people have got them opinions, they always will have this, you know, if there's people, they ain't going to like other people. Now, after not the non include, oh, I can't say that. I'm not sure, I just not bother. Yeah. <laughs> you need to have some of that thing, we need to have in there. You need to have some of that huge can of Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to thank my sponsors. Yes, it's that. gangster tripping, man. <laughs> uh, was the first, probably, uh, sitcom. And that was in the guise of Yes Minister, which uh, started off in 1982 to 1984, uh, written by Anthony Jay and Jonathan Lynn, and of course starring Paul Eddington and Nigel Hawthorne. Now, uh, mm. I loved Yes Minister with a follow-up Yes Minister. You didn't like it, nah, Pete, did you? Like it. Was you a fan of it? Um, probably not originally. It's the kind of thing that uh, the, the later you watch it, the more it grows on you, and the more you realise that, um, again, it's the perfect satire because it's mocking the condition yeah. that the the, um, the workings of the chambers of power the uh, the agony that civil servants go through in the face of politicians mm. none of that has changed none of it you can reform the house of yeah, lords yeah, you can yeah, turn yeah, parliament inside out mm. you've still got civil servants trying to do a job who are being um, harangued by these uh, obsessive compulsive politicians yeah. and that's what makes it so brilliant and I, I think that um, a lot of the success of it was is in the the, the bounds acting that went on mm. between Nigel Hawthorne and Paul Eddington, yeah. um, and the fact that he was Paul Eddington was just so lovable, you so wanted him to get on, <laughs> um, and you just kept kept seeing him fall over every week, and it was joyful. I mean, yeah, you're saying that, like uh, that kind of stuff doesn't change. We've got two clips to play. I'll play the first one, which is about a public inquiry, and. Um, I think it's quite apt with what's going on over the past month how, how, how things obviously haven't changed. But all chemicals are dangerous. It just the minister means that the rumours are completely unfounded and there's no cause for alarm. All the same, can I have your assurance, Jim, that first of all there'll be a full public inquiry? Actually, public inquiry might not the be The minister was about to say there's absolutely no need for public inquiry. <laughs> the matter has been fully investigated already and a report will be issued shortly. Listen, I came here to talk to Jim. And indeed you are talking to him. <laughs> but he's not answering, you are. The minister and I are of one mind. Whose mind? Your mind? Oh. <laughs> Listen, I've heard on the grapevine that this factory will be making the chemical that poisons Cervezo in oh. North Italy. No, that's not true. No. Isn't it? The chemical in Cervezo was dioxin. This is metadioxin. But that must be virtually the same thing. No, no, it's just a similar name. It's the same name with meta stuck on the front. Uh, <laughs> that makes all the difference. Why? What does meta mean? <laughs> what does meta mean, Humphrey? Oh, it's quite simple. It means with or after or sometimes beyond. It's from the Greek, of course. In other words, with or after dioxin, sometimes beyond dioxin. <laughs> it depends whether it's the accusative or the genitive. With the accusative, it's beyond or after. With the genitive, it's with. As in Latin, of course, as you no doubt obviously recall, where the ablative is used for words needing a sense of with to precede them. Uh, but of course, there isn't an ablative in Greek, is there? <laughs> well done, Bernard. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> you see? Not exactly, no. Maybe I should have thought that was perfectly plain. Ah, oh, great uh, Yes Minister's public inquiry clip there. Hey, it's lovely. There's a, a, a bit in uh, Private Eye, uh, which I read a little while ago, and it's, a, it's a, a mother chastising her child, and she's saying, 
you've got to learn the difference between right and the need to call for an urgent review. <laughs> Very good. It's the perfect, yeah. perfect parody of political language, I think. Mm. It works really well here as well. Definitely. And it's almost like policy. You see how I've done that? That was good. That was yeah. right. I said, we're getting good at this. Well, you know what you're doing, Mince? You yeah, you do, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's looking, you don't have to see what I'm doing on this. <laughs> yeah, because we can see it as well, and it's rather rude. <laughs> hey! <laughs> we haven't got to the thick of it. Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, make sure you got that screen wipe. <laughs> okay, so let's go and we'll play another uh, clip from Yes Minister. Uh, I say they did do a, a follow up called Yes Prime Minister, um, and I just think it was brilliant the way they got the behind the scenes of. Of Whitehall, and we've, we've so over this past month, the reason why I've decided to do this uh, podcast on political satire is purely for the fact that you know, Great Britain is so screwed up at the moment uh, with the government and their uh, views of government policy. So let's play this, and uh, how apt is it? Well, let's come to the roof garden. Yes, with pleasure. <laughs> this was a part of a wide variety of, of roof insulation schemes which the government was testing in the interest of fuel economy. But £75,000? Well, it was thought that the sale of flowers and vegetable produce might offset the cost. And did it? No. Then why not abandon the garden? Well, it's there now and um, it does insulate the roof and we aren't building any more. But you wasted £75,000. Well, it was government policy to test all proposals for fuel saving. But this fantastic waste of the taxpayers' money, you agree the money was wasted? It's not for me to comment on government policy, it was asked <laughs> the minister. Look, Sir Humphrey, whatever we ask the minister, he says is an administrative question for you. And whatever we ask you, you say is a policy question for the minister. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest we find out what's going on? Yes, 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 yes. I do see that there is a real dilemma here. In that, while it has been government policy to regard policy as the responsibility of ministers and administration as the responsibility of officials, the questions of administrative policy can cause confusion between the policy of administration and the administration of policy. Especially when responsibility for the administration of the policy of administration conflicts or overlaps with responsibility for the policy of the administration of policy. Well, that's a load of meaningless dribble, isn't it? It's not for me to comment on government policy as a minister. Yeah, <laughs> Things oh. can go down as well as up. Oh well, but, yeah, excellent. Um, right, okay, that was a uh, yes minister there on government <laughs> on government policy. Oh, brilliant, uh, Bernardo. Following up from uh, yes minister and uh, yes prime minister was a um, brief program called a kick up the eighties. I don't know if you guys remember that. Kick up the eighties. It was um, roasting that by Kim Fuller, Guy Jenkins, Ian Patterson, Rob Grant, and Doug Naylor, who are more famous for Red Dwarf. Yeah, I think Dwarf. It was a Rick Murphy. It was Kevin Turvey. Ah. Now, uh, uh, the two of us come from uh, Birmingham, and uh, one of us doesn't. He's a northerner. No, he's, no, he's uh, you know, Brummie by Prox. Yeah, Brummie by Prox. Yeah. <laughs> if you really want to be. <laughs> Very generous. <laughs> was, yeah. was Kevin Turvey meant to be from Birmingham? Was I it? don't or was know. Was Rick Miles from Tal Talford? Yeah. Talford is an A. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he ever mentioned he was from Birmingham, but. He, just that. It was almost like he was one of those. Uh, I can well, we'd it. say he was black country with his accent, but yeah. he's an, he was. I think, I he, think was he was. He was that people who don't come from Birmingham trying to do a Birmingham accent. Yeah, yeah. Well, we come from Birmingham, and this is our. Accent. Yeah, you can tell this is a real Birmingham yeah, accent. There you go. And he also starred uh, 
Miriam Margulies and uh, Robbie Coltrane and uh, and Tracy Ullman and this is what uh, caused Tracy Ullman to um, get famous and went over to America hey, and did the Tracy Ullman show and of course what is Tracy Ullman more famous for in the America Simpsons. she was the first person to show The Simpsons yeah. now Rick Mayo followed up um, from his, uh, his investigator Kevin Turvival uh, and along with the comedy store which was anti-racist anti-sexist and anti-thatcher to do the young ones uh, from 1984 four punks uh, well four punks sorry four students Vivian the right on Rick Hippie Neil and self-styled cool person Mike did Mike what was Mike in the young one did he go to was he part of the university I, or did he just live there I don't know if he was doing e- meant to be like doing economics wasn't he where he was all in some money and I'm like, or was he I don't know actually well Vivian was trying to be a surgeon wasn't he a doctor yeah uh, Neil was a, a politician or psychology he was doing what was Really? No, no, sorry. Neil was doing. What was Neil doing there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I get confused because when I see Michael, I see he's a Sontaran. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How he's gone up in the world. Uh, we well, have got a, a, a young one's uh, clip to play, which, because, uh, yeah, because Ricky's the right uh, arm yeah. Andy Thatcher, and he's all, you know, and he, he wants to join the. Uh, uh, marches and all that yeah well, he wanted to be the people's poet that was his thing wasn't it? he wanted to be a martyr for, for the people didn't he and uh, we've got a classic week <laughs> uh, clip to play now hi Fisher what do you want to know better be ready for some pretty angry vibes <laughs> <laughs> political activist mate what's the last thing you blew up uh, I blew up a rubber johnny actually in the union bar <laughs> it was hilarious everybody thought so yeah Next Tuesday, I'm going to blow up a panda in Croydon. Yeah, right on bloody zoos. Who needs them? <laughs> no, a police car, you terminal wally. Oh, the... The, the pigs? Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the few bad apples that spoil their otherwise spotless image. Hey, if pigs could fly, Scotland Yard would be London's third airport. <laughs> Here, listen. I've got everything ready. All I need is a plan, a bomb, and a dedicated and ruthless accomplice. Are you in? You spilled your drink. Yeah, I know, I was getting bored. <laughs> Shall I get you another one? Um, Ginzano. Now, do you think he's ever played a better... I didn't... I imagine. Rick Mayo has ever played a better part than Rick. No, and that's why he's stuck with it for the next <laughs> yeah. 20 years. Mm. Yeah. Apart from... Something you're going to talk about? I think that's a, that was about the f- three clips. Time. So I'll we'll, I'll leave that for later. <laughs> now on the opposite side of the channel, uh, Young Ones was uh, a BBC program. ICV came at us, Birmingham made program with Spitting Image. Uh, we got a couple of clips from Spitting mm. Image. Now Spitting Image was um, there's 137 shows. What time is it? That's a lot. But we got a lot. We got remember that it lasted for 12 years. It ended in 1996. I thought it was like early, I think, didn't that? I think it lost its, I I think think it lost its appeal. And a lot of the, the people 90s, had left so, it as well, hadn't they? Yeah, because, I mean, uh, he was wrote, uh, was created by Peter Fluck. Glad I hadn't had a drink. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Martin Lamb name. Ooh, I'm sure I said his name was. Producers include John Lloyd and... David Frost. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's that man again. You should have a penny jar. You know what? The, word, the thing is, I didn't even know that, and I wrote this script. And I didn't even, I didn't yeah. even know exactly. But was you pissed when you wrote this? 
Carrying on. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs> yeah, we are actually somewhere along the line. When we get to do Blackadder, we should do it when we're drunk. Mm. Are you you're doing this with Blackadder? Aren't you doing this with Blackadder? Yeah. Oh, drunk. <laughs> drunk. I'm invited. Okay, what well, we'll do? Yeah. Drunk Blackadder. Yeah, oh, I, should, I should point out we're actually out of the uh, yeah. Waffle on uh, Waffle on headquarters uh, for this oh, yeah. uh, recording. We're yeah, in, in our uh, mobile HQ. We're in the mobile <laughs> HQ uh, simply because it was easier for Pete um, to go come over. But yeah, uh, uh, Spitting Image was voiced by um, Chris Barry. Uh, of course, he's Rimmer in Red Dwarf. Uh, Roy Bremner, Steve Coogan, Hugh Dennis, Harry Enfield, John Glover, and Alistair McGowan, along with John Sessions and some other people who I don't really care much for. Um, well, yeah. And uh, Spinning Image caused a few dents in the UK political running, but it was the look of the puppets that caused most upset. Ironically, Thatcher came across as a big fan of, uh, of Spitting Image, purely for the fact that she was always on TV. Uh-uh. I don't know if she's ever already said that, or that was just someone who made it up. But um, it was the, some people really did take offence to it. And be, I'm not going to say it, but I just want to see if you two can come up with maybe who that one politician is who really took offence to their... Uh, their was puppet. it Hattersley? Uh, nope. Because his spitting thing was quite he bad was in it. Quite bad, he was quite bad in it. Um, it's... And I've met him. It's <laughs> David Steele. Well, why was he offended by that? Then? Um, because he was a tiny, tiny puppet. I think he was smaller than even the jockeys that used to lampoon. Yeah, yeah um, and, uh, Mr. Piggy. He was. He was. Uh, his home was David Owen's pocket, wasn't it? Oh, <laughs> that says the age of that STP liberal alliance. I don't think Spitting Image had the greatest look, though, uh, as opposed to Fluck. Um, <laughs> but, um, but because or it ran for, as you say, uh, twelve years. Oh. Yes. Um, how many prime ministers did it have? Yeah, that's yeah. two. Yeah, that's a lot of material, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and but I mean, I think S- Spitting Image did succeed in defining people as a very very simple image. Mm. Um, you know, John Major, he's yeah, a great yeah, chap. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it really stripped people down to brass tacks. And uh, I, think I just remember the songs. I do. Yeah, really. okay. That's the thing. I always remember mm. the Spitting Image. Is, is the songs? Well, I think as well. I think Spitting Image was one of the. He probably was actually up to up to now the only program that brought in uh, American politics into British politics with the Reagan, uh, the friendship I, between yeah, Reagan used and like, Reagan. No. And we have nicely brought in a clip with the spit image puppet of Ronald Reagan. Uh, 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 sir, can we have a word? Jelly bean. Oh, it's two words. A peanut butter sandwich, it's a good word. Mr. President, we're a little concerned about these new advisors of yours. Oh, don't worry, guys, you'll like them. Hi, fellas, introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Larry Death. I'm Larry Ward, Jr. Uh, Larry Famine Third. nice to meet you, Hattie Day. My name's Larry Pestilence, pleased to meet you, sir. Where the hell did you find them? I met them out riding. <laughs> I think they're from the Pentagon. Sir, I hate to tell you this, but I have the sneaking suspicion that they're the four horsemen of the apocalypse and they've come straight from Revelations. Isn't that in Nebraska? No, sir, it's in the Bible. What's Nebraska doing in the Bible? (laughs) Mr. President, I don't think you understand. These are four biblical characters from the book of Revelation, whose appearance signifies the end of the world. (laughs) Well, I'll say this for them. They're bang on time. Spitting image, I think, there are 137 episodes. It would be difficult to go back and watch them again. Um, mm. they, I, I'm, I'm just not sure. Again, coming back to simply lampooning personalities, yeah, yeah. I don't think you could sit through it. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, getting the clips for um, 
full speed image actually did did turn out to be a little quite hard because I couldn't although I, I enjoyed seeing the puppets as we were saying it's because it's such a visual yeah. gag well, especially like, we were quite you know we were, when that first we were pretty young as well mm. you know what I mean so and also I think that a lot of people watched it because they really wanted to have their own version of it I think everyone likes to see a caricature yeah. of themselves and uh, I mean I'll tell you who does the, one of the best caricatures at the moment is Devin Brown yeah. his drawings I don't know if you've seen his drawings oh, on the website yeah. absolutely fantastic bringing oh. a book out Oh, there you go. Devin. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. So, yeah, but I mean, we've, uh, we've spit an image. I mean, uh, you had the minor strikes. Unemployment was high at the time. And uh, we wanted to see the MPs suffer. It's a bit like now, really. You like to see yeah, the say, MPs. You say you want to see the MPs suffer, but Mar Margaret Thatcher was in for 12 years because loads of people bloody voted for her. Loads of people voted for her. Well, mm. so, enough, certainly. Yeah, a, a lot. and weren't many people voting for the opposition. No. So I think this is wow. That you know, it was a funny thing to be. I don't think it was ever that popular either, was it? I think it liked to think it was popular, mm. but I think it was popular among, among a certain kind of people. Yeah. But the general population probably didn't watch well, speaking no, image. I mean, thinking, oh, I support what Thatcher's doing. Yeah, and the, so, the irritating thing, of course, is what we didn't know is that the MPs actually enjoyed it. And in an era when the House of Commons was a living, breathing Punch and Judy show of its own, Spitting Image was never short of larger-than-life characters to make fun of. What Spitting Image did was to say, this is one side, the blues. This is the other side, the reds. And they're going to knock hell out of each other, and we're going to get some fun out of it. But whether they loved it or loathed it, most MPs rarely missed an episode of Spitting Image. Our reaction was a mixture of horror and excitement. And from there onwards, week by week, everybody was watching it. And everybody in the House of Commons was uh, hoping that they would be in it and that they would be portrayed in a favourable light. Edwina Covey there, uh, she shagged John Major. Sex and eggs. Sex and eggs. <laughs> That's a potent combination, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That Especially like... if that's Sam Leather in them. <laughs> now, could that be like a, a, um, a uh, IVF tagline? Sex and eggs. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that's... Ooh, dear, just lucky we ain't got many women probably listening to this. Uh, to be I don't know if we have, but we've probably just lost them. Yeah, yeah. Cheerio, ladies. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so we've Tory Dominance there, okay, a TV show that would highlight backhanders, expense scandal, sleaze, and corruption in the form of the New Statesman. Hurrah! And the New Statesman ran from 1987 to 1992, and it was the adventures of the spectacularly corrupt Conservative MP Alan Bastard as he attempts to further his political career and line his pockets by any means he can get away with. It was brilliantly wrote uh, by Lawrence Marks and Maurice Gran, and directed by Graham Harper, who is a, is a Doctor Who director, <laughs> and starred Rick Mayle as Alan Bastard. Um, Marsha Fitzalan as Sarah Bastard and Pat yeah. Michael Troughton as the wonderful <laughs> Piers Fletcher <laughs> Dervish. So before we actually talk about uh, Anna Bastard, because I know you're aching to talk yeah, about oh it, yes, uh, let's play a clip from it. My name's Chantel. Mm -hmm. I'm your new French mistress. Mr. B. Yes, that's right. But uh, you can call me Piers. <laughs> that's a nice name. Yes, it is, isn't it? It isn't mine, of course. Mm -hmm. huh? Good. 
Mrs. Selway told me what you like. You naughty boy. I find it helps me relax after a long day's sitting. <laughs> Whippy one. I told you what would happen if you failed your French oral again. What? Okay, classic Alan Bastard clip there, Cal. One of the, the first characters that I really, really liked, even though I loathed him at the same time. Self-serving, smug, but my God, was he a cool character. He's one of the nastiest, <laughs> nastiest <laughs> characters you could have hoped to see. Was there any redeeming quality he had? No. Uh, he treated everyone bad, didn't he? Yeah. But sometimes, though, his wife got one over him quite a few a times. A lot of the time she did. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's classic, uh, classic conservative wife that was. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's the Hamilton the all over yeah. again. Mm. Yeah, also, was, it's also a degree a trophy style. There wasn't. Was, there I can't think of anything nice about it. No, I mean, we went to see him on stage, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we went to sort of stage show about three years ago where they brought the character back and he'd move parties because if, if suppose in America in the states you're not going to know about this character, but he was a, a conservative, but. You look at him now, he's a, more like a Labour politician. So they brought him back when he was a Labour politician and he was uh, he was at sort of having an affair with Condoleezza Rice, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So it was just brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. And I think that was one of the first things that we saw Vic Mayo do after his quad bike accident. Yeah, he was. Because, and uh, he wasn't Rick. I think that, again, he wasn't Rick. I think that was the only thing he, they told me he wasn't Rick, was he? No, oh yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. He, he wasn't, wasn't Rick. playing the Rick. He wasn't playing a Rick character. I think that's why they had the ish, but he was a bit more powerful than Rick, wasn't he? Rick well, was he was bit... more in charge. I think the sadist point. Well, if you look at the Rick character, Rick Miles' Rick character, is that goes into bottom, doesn't it? Well, really, I think, I think, well near enough, he is the same bloke in that. Isn't he? He's an older version of him, isn't he? Mm. Yeah, that's true. You know, I just thought that would have, the good thing about that stage play was that it was updated every day. Anything that happened in the news. He was wrote into the script, wasn't it? It was absolutely brilliant. He must have knackered him out, though. That must have done because he wasn't. He'd only just. I think obviously he was fully recovered, but um, it was just brilliant. Because it was two hours, just mainly him on his yeah, own, yeah. and he could, you know. I would like to have seen my, uh, Michael Chayton turn up as Piers Fletcher Dermish, though. Is that why he didn't? Um, um, did yeah. he not show up now? No, no, he didn't know. I think he went to well, the since. Well, no, he went really quiet on the active, and he was in Doctor Who. God, well, he always goes back to Doctor Who, doesn't it? Yeah, man. Uh, six degrees of Doctor Who. Is yeah. degrees of <laughs> <laughs> so after uh, Alan the Star, we have uh, Drop the Dead Donkey from 1990 to 1998. Um, that was an Andy Hamilton production and um, starred most famously I think probably Stephen Tomkinson yeah. no I wasn't a Neil, uh, Neil person um, I, I wasn't a great fan of that was any was you guys oh, you, I sort of watched it but it, yeah, I don't know it was a bit of, like, what year was that uh, 1990 to 1998 there was actually 65 bloody hell I didn't know was that 30, <laughs> minute, I didn't know 30 that. minute episodes what? six series in fact oh, I, didn't, I didn't, didn't know I was a real fan of it um, oh. really loved it I think it, it was it was kind of groundbreaking in a number of ways um it was that um almost the fly on the wall style mm. um 
almost like a documentary view mm. of things. Um, you could see the progress of the characters throughout the day, and it would always culminate in the, in the news broadcast. Do you think The Office got a, a, a bit of an influence for? Like, you know, you can see that's where I was heading a little mm. bit. Um, and you know, if you if you see any of those uh, of those shows where they follow someone around a newsroom, it is so so like that. I think yeah. I think they did a lot of research on the spot to. Um, to, to get hold of all that stuff but um, really really enlightening um, but yeah again there were some terrific lines there were some terrific jokes there were probably some some better enduring jokes on again on human nature mm. and on on the characters once they'd bedded in but there'll be some terrific biting um, pokes at the establishment mm. and uh, political figures in there as well do you remember what the uh, the channel was called that I was on uh, G Globelink yes Globelink News oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now you say uh, like a, a groundbreaking for, for Doctor Who I think the, the next programme you're going to talk about probably broke the rules of everything um, to a certain degree of, uh, yeah, of uh, humour yeah. and, and this was the day today yeah. uh, he hit our screens in uh, in 1994 and it was what? it came actually from the Radio 4 comedy show um, by the amazing oh, Armando yes. Inucci uh, the hugely talented Chris Morris uh, <laughs> he broke the rules on every oh level. yes the most offensive man in Britain but a genius and, uh, and launched the career of course of Steve Coogan and his alter ego Alan Partridge now the mad thing about the day today was that only six programmes were made. Um, and I just think it is that. I mean, I always thought there was a couple of series of it, but when when I went back and this, and I've got the DVD at home, and it, I remember watching that. Because we watched it to death, didn't we, when we well, were younger? This is what. Do you remember when we first saw that? I actually thought it was a proper. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people did. It's like when, uh, it's a bit like when. Um, uh, no me, no you. The Alan Parsons first come on the first episode. People didn't know where they were laughing at because he did it straight, didn't they? Mm. He did it straight, yeah. and I think that's what made that makes that so good. Even though they are all playing ridiculous characters, they're playing it straight as if it's the news. I mean, it and was, that's just really this, this was written and devised by, I say, Christopher Myers and Amanda Anucci, and also starred Rebecca Front, Dune Makicha. Mm. I think you had a bit of a soft spot for her. I love her. Or should I say, hard spot? <laughs> <laughs> she's nice. She's pointy. She's yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Barber and David Schneider and both actually uh, Patrick Barber and David Schneider are actually doing David Schneider's a quite a, a playwright isn't he he's got a, quite a few plays up in, in London and, and he's uh, in a few he's in a few kids things yeah, as well yeah, Patrick Barber uh, uh, appeared yeah. up in uh, Mission Impossible as the the tube driver yeah. at the end when uh, it, yeah. Tom Cruise gets splattered on it and he looks quite gorgeous he was that also in uh, yeah. Stuart Lee wasn't he that was on video yes he was yeah. which so was brilliant let's play the, uh, a clip from <laughs> the day today <laughs> Was you waffling on? Yeah, <laughs> we're doing off the waffle waffle. <laughs> the heads tonight. Teenage boy roasts himself in sacrifice to Chris Kelly. Hesseltine fading fast. And headmaster suspended for using big face child as satellite dish. This is the news. is the news it's just been announced there's to be a special inquiry into the government's handling of the Froome shipping deal which flew to pieces last month 
amid accusations of gross ministerial misconduct. Our economics correspondent, Peter O'Hanrahan, is with the Minister for Ships, Michael Crane. He's just prized him out of an emergency meeting. I'm with the Minister for Ships, That's Michael what Crane. That's everything MP. I've just said comes spewing straight back out of his stupid meeting. slab of a face. Mr. Crane, choppy waters for the government. Not at all, Peter. Um, this procedure was entirely proper, and I think the inquiry will prove that the government's handling of this matter was entirely proper. So the government's ship back on course? Absolutely. Back to you, Chris. Peter, what the hell was that? This man's made a big-scale cock-up here. You let him get away with it. Now, let me speak to him. Put your earpiece next to his head and stand still. Now, Minister, there's reason to believe that you lied to the House. How do you answer that? Well, that is a very serious and unfounded allegation, and I'll be making a statement to the House based on the preliminary inquiry next week. A week is a long time in politics. Rab Butler. Shut up, Peter. Now, Minister, did you or did you not lie to the House? I will be making a full statement to the House next it's week. It's a simple question, yes or no. Did you or did you not lie? I, um... As the Minister for Ships sprawls on the pin, it's back to you, Chris. No, it isn't, Peter. He's about to answer the question. He's about to admit to lying to the House. You've let him get away again. Where's he gone? Over there. Well, get him back. He's in a cab. Peter, you've lost the news! What are you going to say? Sorry. Look like you mean it. Look down at the ground and say sorry. I'm sorry. Peter, next time you cross the road, don't bother looking. Sorry. Now, what we were talking earlier about things that are timeless, now that is timeless comedy, mainly because it's no specific incident, is it? And they're really clever using it like that. They can just... <laughs> that could be happening any time of history, and <laughs> yeah. the is accused of lying. And, if you, and like us, if you watch Newsnight, these things happen quite a lot with mm. Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, because when, it wasn't until I went back to, to watch the game, because, I mean, we watched it to death, didn't we? Oh, when we first too, came yeah, back. too much. And uh, it's only now that I realise, actually, that Chris Morris is, is doing Paxman. Well, yes, I think he was doing Paxman before Paxman became, became Paxman. the caricature <laughs> of himself, didn't he? Yeah, because he yeah. changed. He got older, didn't yeah. he? Paxman. <laughs> <laughs> I actually found I was trying. I wanted to get a clip of Paxman, and uh, I went onto YouTube and just typed in Jeremy Paxman. They got some great clips on it, and the one where obviously they're forcing him to say the weather at the end of uh, at the end of news I know he turns around and he goes and now we've got the weather it's raining get an umbrella <laughs> yeah, and you just think that's brilliant you know <laughs> so the day today gave us two further satire programmes a junior off Saturday night armistice in 1995 and Brass Eye in 1997 the bravest satire ever seen on British TV its oh. targets were politicians and tabloid scaremongering and of course celebrities now the clip you're about to hear highlighted the over-exaggeration of the media towards drugs and use celebrities to get the message across. Yeah. Uh, Chris Myers will do this again on the subject of paedophilia. But be warned, there are a few F-words in this next clip. But, Cal, um, do you want to say anything about Brass Eye before we play the clip? Uh, 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 yeah. It's just so extreme, isn't it? It's extreme, but still funny. Because mm. anyone can be extreme with humour. You can have, you know, Roy Chubby Brown and... You know, you had Andrew Dice, the Diceman in America. Anyone can be really extreme, can't they? And make people laugh by swearing. Mm. But this, this was funny and extreme yeah. at the same time. There ain't many people who can do it. Especially now, you'd never get a programme like that made now. No way. No way. I mean, I think, I think the whole point as well is it's all about tabloid scaremongering, isn't it? It pokes people's sensitivities, it pokes at their reactions to certain yeah. things. And especially when you're talking about uh, gun use, uh, violence, uh, drug use. Mm. 
um, paedophilia, bestiality, necrophilia. Yeah. Mm. I mean, all of those things are a real red flag to any conversation mm. to society <laughs> at large. And especially, yeah, all you have to do is show that to the media circus. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it'll take off and spin out of control. And that's been so beautifully parodied here. Mm. Yeah, and I think as well, I like as well, I think as well, he knew that that people won't talk about these kind of things on the thing, but you get a group of friends together and they'll do jokes about these kind of things, but they don't, no one will ever consume him, and he did that. I think he knew for a while people were making jokes about it. People mm. do make jokes about really well, course, horrible yeah, things. Yeah. Well, but there's, humour is black humour in the day. Yeah. There's always a thing of, uh, there should be no joke, yeah. uh, there should be no subject. That is, Frank Skinner always said the funniest jokes you can't say on TV. And yeah. I, yeah. I think he's probably right there. Well, let's play this clip. The classic street signs of a nearby drug abuse. But what about this? Remnants of something far worse. A new legal drug from Czechoslovakia called cake. Oh, and luckily the story involves these people. Free the United Kingdom from drugs and British opposition to metabolically bisturbile drugs. Ted Moore reports. Cake first appeared in Prague last year. News reports show victims insane with pain. Disturbing images like this and a knowledge of the drug routes in Europe led to the formation of Free the United Kingdom from Drugs, incorporating British opposition to metabolically bisturbile drugs. Their single aim to enlist the great and good. I'm Bernard Ingham and this is a piece of cake. To warn Britain about cake. Cookie milk. Before it was too late. Hi, this is Bruno Brooks. We all like to party, right? Absolutely. But only the fool would say, yeah, I'll enter the nightmare of cake. And this is it. This colour that they thought would be a good selling point is put in by using an industrial dye, which in itself is a pollutant and is causing in Czechoslovakia something called Czech neck. It causes enormous water retention so that the, the body swells up. The neck becomes about this wide and swells up to engulf the mouth and the nose so that the person who's on that trip dies through not being able to breathe at all. One young kiddy on Kate cried all the water out of his body. Just imagine how his mother felt. It's a fucking disgrace. Can we lose this thing about the slow crushing of his skull? No one understood how to get the message over better than this man. What is cake? Well, it has an active ingredient, which is a dangerous psychoactive compound known as dimesmeric anison phosphate. It stimulates the part of the brain called Shatner's bassoon. And that's the bit of the brain that deals with time perception. So, a second feels like a month. Well, almost sounds like fun. Unless you're the Prague schoolboy who walked out into the street straight in front of a tram. He thought he'd got a month to cross the street. Uh, Noel Edmonds there at the end uh, jumping on the bandwagon to help anyone get his face back on TV after losing telly addicts. Drug deal or no deal? Drug deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Pete, you're winning the Star Prizes tonight. You can come back. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Chris Moyes came under serious attack from, ironically, the tabloid and politicians over his use of those programs. And Cal, uh, he did another program after that, didn't he, which was even worse. Now, I like it more. It's, it's a program called Jam. It really comes from a radio... I do know about this. It's weird. It comes from a radio... <laughs> it comes from a radio one thing called Blue Jam, which was uh, about music and ease of 
and then for some reason he took it to Channel 4 and they said here's loads of money we'll give you a series and then they showed it and then people thought is that meant to be funny? <laughs> is that a joke there? it's like one of the jokes was like uh, a woman got the doctor to come round to a house but it wasn't a doctor it was a plumber because a baby was turned into a boiler oh I remember that I and you're thinking you're watching thinking is the joke here but loving it no, yeah. what, what, no. It was the way it was filmed, though. That was because it was always filmed very. very I always dark. find it a really weird. Julie Davis, wasn't it? Julie Davis, she's been brilliant. I always find it weird that you can like a comedy. Now I don't know if you agree me. Here. I can watch a comedy and not laugh at it, but I'm thinking it's brilliant. But is yeah. it doing its job? Because I watch Dad's Army and I very rarely laugh at it, but I've really but like you enjoy it. watching it. And Jam was like that because it didn't have laugh out loud. For I the was jokes. like that. We've loved Joy. What? <laughs> Yeah, you're quite right. I never laughed. At <laughs> no, I never laughed at Lovejoy ever. I laughed at his hair in it. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, you got to love the but, but no, I, yeah, I can understand where you're coming yeah, from. And I think some... Jam was very much like that. You were never going to burst out laughing for half an hour. Is that a shock for anything, though? Because I think you like, people like to be shocked into Jam was so extreme. There's that moment when. And it happens when people are doing stand up, and it was a stand up you can be more mm. risky than you could ever be when you're being broadcast. Mm. Um, some of the best jokes, the ones where the punchline is delivered and there's the yeah yeah can he say that is it okay for him to say that is it okay for us to laugh somebody starts mm. and then there's, there's that kind of outpouring of relief as much as anything that you're all in on it yeah, yeah. I mean I think stuff like that is perfectly perfectly acceptable when it's intelligent shocking than just shocking yeah. for anybody could turn around and start saying the C word the F word and yeah, this and that definitely. to find me shocking I, it's not intelligent it's, no. just, it's just I do fast, think Chris you know? I, I think he was intelligent but I do think he liked to shock people as well oh, of course he did I, I think, think he but, was a bit he was in, but of course he worked though because pushing those back but of course yeah, I don't, Jam never stuff. worked though did he because, uh, it, because yeah. it, was, it was just too it was too dark and too it was like a Salvador Dali painting. It, it was just not very not the whole feel of it, and he used all like the weird ambient music, and he didn't need to. He put a funny kind of mood in it. There weren't no funny music, it's or there weren't no so, build it's, up. It's one of the things what I sometimes don't understand about um, people who, who study film, and they make um, they make like they just shoot a plant for 10 minutes or no or you're talking about here now you're talking about the man who did the thin red line Tenants Malik let's film a leaf for 30 minutes yeah. and then show a battle for 2 minutes so you can see the symbiotic relationship between nature and man yeah to me rich. that's just a load of wobbly <laughs> bollocks I mean I, I said it to, uh, I, I think I was, was at a party and uh I actually said this to Phil because I think it was was she drunk? Was she drunk when you said no, this? No, I wasn't. No, no. <laughs> I'd just come back from Australia and I hadn't okay. slept for thirty. It was your birthday, I think. I was oh. like that. <laughs> I hadn't slept for thirty-six hours, and and I remember sitting in the room and there was a, a screen up and there was just a tape player, like a, a real tape player, going round and round oh, and round. An installation. Be a Phil Hayes yeah. film. And it I was remember, an installation. Uh, <laughs> and I remember just sitting there thinking, mm, well, I don't. I don't. What, what is this? Is because oh, I thought maybe it's like there's something going to pop up. I even just saying the end, or even more bollocks. Having Finn, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I did say to Phil. I said, Phil, I just think this is what we should make. Yeah, I thought ah, <laughs> yeah. ah, because he's poking fun. At he's the poking fun, fun at the, the people enjoying it. Yes. <laughs> so after uh, after like that, we had um um. Blah, 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 where are we? Hmm, lost my place. Oh, have I got news for you? Which of course started in 1990. I mean, that must be one of the longest running TV uh, quiz <laughs> programs. <laughs> it's have, you left your, have you left your Transformer on the table? Transformer. 
coming to get us. It's nice. Uh, yeah, have I got news for you? I think we're all big fans of uh, Have I Got yeah, News for You. You know, I, don't, I, I wouldn't religiously watch it every week, or I don't think. Oh, I'll take that. I like, if watch, I'm not I like in because the extra. The, the, the oh, I like the longer show, one. It's one of them problems. You can dip in and out of every other week, you know, because it's just always on, isn't it? Exactly. Mm. It works as well as the. I mean, it's 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 um is it the uh, yes, antecedent the 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 news quiz on mm. Radio Four. And of course, if I get news for you, is that is quite simply the TV version with um, with with the extra element of yeah. um, mm. s- surreal nature yeah, quite yeah. often uh, provided by Paul Merton. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you got Paul Merton and uh, Ian Hislop, because Ian Hislop is now the current editor of. That's uh, been for a while, hasn't it? And it has been for about fifteen years, is it? So yes, right. yes. I mean, he, he's 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 been there since um, since Peter Cook. Is that his main income? Oh, really? That's his main job, apart from on the TV. Uh, that's an after dinner speaking. After dinner speaking. Mm. Yeah. Now, the original um, TV presenter of Have I Got News for You was Angus Deaton, who I think is is so underrated and so underused. Wow, he's like, gone a bit off the ball. Uh, now, he's gone, well, that's what I mean, but he's only gone off the ball because what's he's not, he doing? Yeah, he don't do anything. Yeah. And because he, he got sacked from Have I Got News for You because of his uh, yeah, no, he got sacked for something that he was doing in private, yeah. and I still don't understand what's that got to do. What, what he does in his bedroom with hookers. <laughs> or whatever he, wants uh, to do, whatever he wants to do it's up to him isn't it no one mm. bloody cares and this is the BBC if you're all over and eat bloody mum and all that yeah, yeah. well to to, uh, to to reference one of my favourite podcasts F1 Rejects yeah. um, <laughs> who can't continually talk about Max Mosley no. who went through a similar kind of scandal yeah. and uh it's still reigning supreme. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It doesn't yes. matter really, does it? Who cares? Well, I think the trouble is that was Paul Merton who who did that. I, I love Paul Merton. Yeah. We, we, me, Pete, me and you have been to see him at the uh, silent comedy thing. And oh, me, yeah. me and you we saw, saw him years ago, stand up when he was doing a brilliant dolphin sketch. Yeah, yeah, I love that too. Well, uh, of course, he's also a bit of a right on arse. Yeah. The opposite channel on Channel 4, uh, you had, Bre- well, you still have Bremner, Bird and Fortune. Now, um, some people don't particularly, I'm not a great fan of uh, Bremner, no. but I do like John Bird and John Fortune. They are one of the... Yeah, because it's actually on words, not just putting a funny wig. Or what, you know, let's be honest about it, what's Rory Bremner done? Let's do him, let's, let's, you know, let's make George Bush out to be thick. That's, that's, that's clever, and it must have took all that eating education to do that. Mm. And let's do Tony Blair as a bit smug and smarmy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so easy. easy. It's easy it's so picking, easy. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, Roy Bremner is the new Mikey Arwood. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so, th- thanks yeah. for that. Well, one, one person I actually forgot until last night when I was, I was just compiling the, the rough script here was uh, Mark Thomas. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, again, I liked him, but I think some of his uh, actually what he was talking about was rubbish. Really? But really? It, yeah, I really do. Because, I don't know, he's one of these people. He, he, wants to, he, want, he's got, he can have all the problems in the world, but he do not know how to solve them. It's mm. very easy to go on and say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Anyone can do that. Give you no answers how to solve the problem. No. And sure. that's what I don't like about him. I think he's funny, and he did bring up some interesting. He, but, yeah. You know, to to bring things into perspective, I think Chris Morris referred to Mark Thomas as a secretary botherer. Yeah, <laughs> he, 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 so he'll he, he, he'll yeah. turn up at the at the building of a yeah, major, yeah. of major corporation that's gassing seals or something, yeah. and and uh, harangue the the, yeah. the person on the front desk mm. until she bursts into tears. It's like, well, it's just terrible. That's that's okay. Yeah. You could have mm, run yeah. an appointment, and yeah, yeah. It, it makes for good TV. And is it a shock that mul- security? Yeah. Yeah. is it a shock that multinationals want to make loads of money? No, you know what I mean. That's I mean, what, I that's what I companies think, generally do, isn't it? Yeah, They're I mean, set up to make money. Yeah, <laughs> without them doing that, where would it be? Ooh, here. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. you think about it, I mean, really, there's no difference between Roger Cook used to do stuff like that, but also. At least he was a lot more honest about it. He was a lot more honest about it. And also, I suppose, Matt Allwright and his, uh, his Portuguese mate on the motorbike. Uh, yeah. And no, Nick well. Bloomfield, Nick Bloomfield, I really like Nick, Nick Bloomfield. Nick Bloomfield, well. he does he's, that. He, he's lost his way. Though, I do, but he's done some great films. He's done some he's great, great films. films. I just, yeah, well, it's because of Courtney Love, that was. He couldn't have been allowed to speak about like, the stories. Anyway. So anyway, now we're up to uh, really up to modern day, and uh, we're going to end this on um, our current favourite. Our current favourite, which of course is uh, near enough a, a modern, updated version of Yes Minister. Well, it's Yes Minister that's been put through a kind of the office style filter. You've got the fly on the wall element, um, and a really, really incredibly sharp script, um, often helped by um, yeah. the cast ad libbing from yeah, time yeah. to time as well. And rather fruity language. Mm-hmm. Rather fruity, yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this is another creation of Armando Inucci, and uh, uh, it stars Chris Langham, Chris Addison, and the wonderful Peter Capaldi as Malcolm Tucker, uh, an obvious parody of spin doctor Alistair Campbell. Um, now we've got a click. Oh, God. And that happened last time, a didn't click, it? Yeah. A clip. Like I said, you did. Like we said before, <laughs> could have been worse. <laughs> We've got a clip from the thick of it uh, next, which does contain a few swear words. Now, um, just type in on YouTube uh, for Malcolm Tucker or the thick of it, which is what I'm sure they've is. shown it on. Uh, they've shown it on HBO in America. I'm sure. Or BBC they did. America. Do you or B- no, I'm, yeah, he was on one of them because I know HBO are, are doing a new version of it because they did. Uh, Fox did an original si- a pilot. But they showed it to Manjo Nucci and he turned it down because they cut all the swearing out. Oh, well, and okay. he said he can't out, he can't do it with the swearing. So well, he took it to HBO and they're doing a proper version. Well, let's play a clip of it and then we'll come back and talk a little bit about the thick of it. Oh, he's useless. He's absolutely useless. He is, he's useless. He's as useless as a marzipan dildo. All right, so I've got to go. Minister's just walked in. Hey, don't, don't interrupt your call. Cause no, 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 you're a minister of the crown. You, know, you don't need to listen to all of my fucking chutney. <laughs> I, I'm sure he's much, much more interesting than Charlie. No, 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 it's just, it's a... My cock-up, as usual, you know, I thought that Graham Dixon was doing a briefing at Tarzan like with Graham Hughes. <laughs> Too many Grahams, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> we ought to kill some of them. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so? So, God, look, I'm, I'm sorry about the fuck-up about the coffee. I mean, oh, God, God. am I supposed to run a bloody department if I can't get the Prime Minister's enforcer a cup of fucking coffee? No, 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 <laughs> that, that, that's OK. Listen, the thing is, you're doing a bloody good job here, Cliff. You know, because with all this shit in the paper about, you know, whether I'm going or not. Yeah. Have you seen... Terry, can you bring the mail in, please? Have you seen the mail? Is that... Lotton dangles by a thread. Dangles by a thread? Yeah. No, it's all right. We've got... Lotton dangles by a thread? Yeah. No, we've got it. It's okay. Do keep it. Yeah, no, just leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Terry. There's a lot of them, isn't there? I mean, I know where it started. It was the Telegraph diary, but just more and more and more and more. Seriously. The PM likes you personally. I like you personally. And we have absolutely no desire to get rid of you. I just want you to know that. None of this negative stuff is coming from us. Oh, no, mate. That makes a big difference. Makes me feel a lot more secure. Does it? <laughs> well, it's difficult. What, what's difficult? Just endless headlines, on, day on, after on, day. On, on, chipping on, away at confidence. Absolutely. Now, you see, the thing is that we're starting to look weak. Everybody's saying, when's he going to go? When's he going to go? Right. And you don't want us to look weak, do you? No. No. So there you are. That's why you've got to go. No. Yes. No. Uh, the wonderful Peter Capaldi there was uh, Malcolm Tucker. 
it's great the way that they film uh, the thick of it in that it's kind of I suppose conspiratorial filming mm. um, while while the office is is natural moves and natural um, acting shown from fixed points of uh, fixed vantage points the thick of it is great because it's almost shown from the point of view of someone else following the action someone else mm. loping around and because of that as as Malcolm Tucker works himself into this extraordinary <laughs> frenzy of swearing mm. and anger and violence um you're you're almost made to feel really really nervous that suddenly he's going to turn on turn you turn on you yeah I mean, do, do you? Th- I mean, we was, I mentioned earlier on that Malcolm Tucker is is virtual. I believe he's Alistair Campbell. Would yeah, you agree with I, that? Yeah, I think he's just probably a few other people. There was probably a few other people there because that, you know, that, that Damien McBride weren't a nice character, <laughs> was he? There's not that many nice spin doctors, no. are there? No. Well, that's not the job. Not that rubbish band as well. When they called the spin doctors, that's oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, he had a really silly hat. If you wanna go me yeah, that's what uh, I mean. You're singing it. <laughs> I didn't realise I was doing that. Got a microphone in front. But yeah, I mean, um, the thick of it. I mean, uh, the, they've just made. Uh, there was only one series of, of uh, the thick of it, and two specials, which was um, shown mm. over Christmas. And uh, but this year I saw the film version of the show um, called In the Loop, which also starred James Gandolfini. Me and you were going to see this yeah, in a, a week's time. Pete, you've already seen it, haven't you? I have. And you happy? It's a treat. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, we've every uh, we've every uh, happy cloud. There always seems to be a bit of a dark cloud over it. Yeah. And uh, me and Pete have bowled out of this one. So well, hand over to Cal. Well, basically, um, Chris Langham, who's who plays uh, Hugh in it, Hugh Abbott. He um, he's a great actor. He's lived a rich and varied life. And while he was doing this, I, d- I don't know if it was during it or was it after it. This come to light. I think it was about the same time, wasn't it? I'm sure he'd be doing it for a while. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I? I mean, I mean, the actual legal case. Did that happen during it, or was I it after it was that? A- no, I think it was after that. Because he won an award for yeah. the first series, and basically he was convicted of uh, downloading indecent images. And I'm going to put that out there because we've got to talk about it. Because if yeah, he didn't, I mean, it's not it's, right. Because well, it's part of the are, story. We are doing a program about, it and, and uh, like anything. Um, yeah, what we did about Craig Charles, didn't we? We had to mention the story. We did mention about Craig Charles, and the reason why we're cutting this quite short is because how long we talked about Craig Charles and his infamous journey from Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah well, and, you know, uh, we let's be honest about it. Most of the people out there know them. all these stories themselves, don't they? It's not as if it's on an unknown part of the story. That's well, true. Because, because of because of the of, of why he was convicted for that, for that, did it? Uh, was that in your mind when you was watching? Yeah, it was. It was because I'll be honest, I'm very new to the thick of it. Mm, I've only got it. into the thick of it in the last few months, really, because I watched the program about in the loop and then got into and, and now mm. I can't. It's really hard because as well in the series, he mentions a few things like that. Like he's talking about his reputation as an MP, yeah. and he says, "Would the like would the public like their would the like their MP to be a paedophile?" Yeah, and and you think, oh bloody hell. Yeah, whether he's a paedophile or not, he doesn't. <laughs> what is, well, he, no, he, no, 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 it yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Well, you know, because he, he was convicted mm. and went to prison for for whatever these indecent images were. I mean, Pete, did you was, did you watch the thick of it when it was first broadcast, or did you come into it later on as well? Uh, bits and bobs of it, yeah. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a very sad case about about Chris Langham. Really, mm. it's, yeah. it's, it's it's sad because it, you know. Um, yeah, People people get into this for various different reasons. Some of them very very personal, and some of them which which we, we can't fathom. Really. Yeah. No, I mean he, he did um, state on his uh, the statement that he put out was these uh, he was doing research and he believed he was actually in 
one of the photographs that uh, he had on his computer. Um, so I mean, it's all psychological and it's all uh, it's all wrong. So yeah. you're, uh, you're well guilty, and there you go. But against the background of somebody's private life, though, um, mm. you know, however private it really ought to be. Um, yeah. yeah, you've got to consider the guy's body of work. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah, I think you've got to forget. Concert, concert his acting work. Yeah, I mean, that's what we uh, talk about him as an actor. Yeah, as an actor. Mean, he, he's brilliant in the thick of it. There's yeah. no doubt he, he's brilliant well, in it. Of course, it's like what Pete said earlier. I mean, he was in uh, Monty Python's Life of Brian, yeah. and he was also one of the writers uh, of uh, The Muppet Show. In fact, he actually did a quick stand in uh, on The Muppet Show at the last minute. And virtually carried the whole show and the recording um, at the time. So he was, he's, you know, there's no mm. pretty well credit due with, uh, with his acting work. Uh, it's just the same that he. Uh, what, what he is? Such a git. Yeah, <laughs> because it's not a nice thing, but really, yeah. <laughs> so there we go. We hope you've enjoyed uh, this um, political satire edition of Waffle On. I'd like to thank uh, Pete for coming along. Pete, you're going to come along for um, Blackadder and Alan Partridge, when we record, I believe. It would be a pleasure. Thank Excellent. you for having me. Well, thank you for coming along, and Kel, as usual, thank you for coming. It's okay. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yes, you will indeed. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Greetings, guildies. I'm Kenny. And I'm Jenny. When you're not checking out the Waffle On podcast, why don't you check out Knights of the Guild, the official fan podcast for the web series The Guild. Each month, we'll bring you the latest news about the Guild cast, including what projects they're working on and what conventions they'll be attending. Also, we'll be updating you on the current season. We'll talk about some behind-the-scenes fun of Season 2. As well as having cast, crew, and fan interviews. So head over to iTunes and subscribe to Knights of the Guild. Or go to our website for a direct download at knightsoftheguild.podbean.com. Zaboo! He is starting to quote Star Wars, Yay. and and he does it in character. Like he quoted Luke Skywalker recently when my uh, SUV broke down in the Target parking lot, oh, no. and it was such a pain in the rear to fix it. And David had to have it towed because I mean he's a pretty good mechanic, but he couldn't fix this problem not Aww. in the parking lot. So, but later on our way home, we were just so exhausted. It was like nine o'clock at night, and we're on our way home after him crawling around under this SUV in the parking lot and getting his nice business clothes all oily and everything he still retained the humor enough to turn to me halfway home and say uncle owen this r2 unit has a bad motivator and i said uh, hey what are you trying to push on me you know you just earned your geek cred right there that's by a little quoting bit star wars cred. yeah definitely <laughs> he just laughed what would have been really funny is if while he was working on it you should have been like would it help if i got out and pushed <laughs> <laughs> I could have, but at that moment, probably not a good idea. Not a good idea. I'm Jen. And I'm Angela. And when you're not listening to this glorious podcast, we would love to have you listen to ours, the Anomaly Podcast. That's A N O M A L Y podcast.com. Hi, this is Rick Moyer. And when I'm not listening to Waffle On, I'm producing my own podcast. And here's a shameless plug for it. Are you ready? If you like geeky TV, if you like science fiction, if you like life in general, and you want to be encouraged every week, join me for Take Him With You, the weekly podcast that's spiritual, not religious. Nobody's going to force you to believe any certain way. You can just enjoy being encouraged and listen to some crazy stories and some fun music every week. So join me after you're done with Waffle On. Tune in, go over to TakeHimWithYou.com, click on the iTunes, and 
Download away. TakeHimWithYou.com.